Off the Ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband. Kildare through to the Leinster final for the first time since 2009. They beat me very impressively at the weekend. And there is plenty of optimism in the county now surrounding this young Kildare team. Nine starters on Saturday against Meath played in that under-21 All-Ireland semi-final back in 2013 and they have come through very nicely. Uh, their manager, Keen O'Neill, is on the line. Keen, thanks for joining us. No uh, performance, I'm sure, from your perspective is ever perfect, but you must be really happy on the whole with what your team produced on Saturday. How we are, Joe, to be fair. I mean, the, the lads put in a big performance to... You know, to complement the, the hard work they put in against Leash as well. So to, to put two performances like that back to back is, I, I think, it's a sign of progress within the group. Listen, there's still a long way to go, um, but from a confidence perspective, it's it's kind of uh, affirming. You know, that the work they're doing in training and all the sacrifices they're making is, you know, it's moving them in the right direction. So it's very pleasing. And it must be affirming for you and a relief for you. If I can press pause for a second and give people a, a snapshot of your. I guess your full year now from a championship point of view with uh, Kildare. You were talking to Maliki Clerken recently in the Irish Times and mm. you were saying of last year, I never felt stress in my life in any shape or form like I did last year. I was physically sick for five days after that Westmeath game, sick in my stomach. The day after the match, the Monday, I didn't get out of bed until five o'clock. So that was after the Westmeath game, which was after the Wexford game and both were kind of poor and you were, you'd clotted your way through Division 3. Uh, yeah. That sounds fairly grim, obviously, that 24 hours after the Westmead game, to say the least. So, But that line about you'd never felt stress in your life like it really stood out to me, given that you know, you've been in backroom teams of really high-pressure environments and you've obviously <clears> done a big job in, in CIT as well. Presumably you expected it would be stressful in some form. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's not that the job per se is stressful. It was just the stress after that performance because, you know, you were right. We we were winning matches in Division 3. We got promoted, but there was no great satisfaction because we were never playing as, as well as we felt we could and we knew we could. And then to, to bring that form into championship, you know, but we were we were very disappointing against Wexford, you know. It was, it was just an awful match. Um, you know, so you're, you're looking to build. We worked really hard between then and, uh, and Westmead and we felt we were in a good place. Um, and got into a commanding position six points up with whatever 15, 20 minutes to go. And then to lose that in the manner we did, you know, just the impact that had on, on myself, the management, the players. Yeah, it was really disappointing. And it, it is a lot more stressful being a manager, obviously, than being a coach mm. or, you know, be, being in any other capacity. But, you know, it's when it is your own county. I think that has to be, you know, it's, there's something very special about that. And ultimately, I just felt that I let the players down, you know, let the county down, the supporters down, because that was a match we felt we could have won and should have won. And ultimately, that's where the stress was. It's just a feeling of failure. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. I know, obviously, the team have progressed, even just from an age perspective, if nothing else, and, and, and they maybe needed last year to come through. But when you say, I feel I failed the players, are there things you've changed in your own approach over the last 12 months, Keen? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're constantly learning, you're constantly evolving. You know, I suppose for me last year, <clears throat> you know, I, I was bringing in my own coaching philosophy to the setup um, and, and did a lot of that. And at the same time, you're trying to have that aerial perspective as a manager and oversee everything too, you know. Um, so we, everyone was learning as such, you know, in their new roles. Year two was always going to be different, you know, irrespective of what happened in year one, because, you know, you'd like to think, you know, the players better than you. You can step back a little bit more. Mm. Um, and that has happened this year. Um and then Rowley have come in uh, to the management team um, and the lads have a lot of coaching experience and success already behind them. 
So there's a lot of coaching that's been done now that I'm not directly involved with. I'm still coaching, right. but not to, not to the extent I would have been last year because it gives me a lot more time to spend with, you know, with, with the players. And as I said, that area of you is, is so, so important in management that perhaps as a coach, you didn't need that. You had more kind of, you know, single tunnel vision, if you like, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's been a big difference this year. And uh, for me, the most important thing, and I've always said it, is the quality of players you have at your disposal. And, and we have we have, a, we have a really strong squad, a young squad and a hungry squad. And that, to me, ultimately is the, the most important thing. Obviously, you're, you're saying you've changed a few things for this year, Keane, but w- last year you were effectively watching a team that had seen its confidence just eroded, smashed over the previous couple of years. Those annihilations, really, at the hands of Dublin and Kerry at Croke Park, back-to-back relegations, and those performances yeah. against Wexford and Westmead, they were so timid. Like, you should have won uh, both of the games. You did only win the Wexford game by a single point in a really awful match. And it just seemed that it was a it was a team that didn't really have the belief to just go on and take a game like we've seen the team do against Leash and against Mead on Saturday night. Was Were you aware at the time when you took over that you were inheriting a squad that, I mean, confidence levels were just as low as they could be. Yeah, I, I was I was aware of it for sure, and I think that, you know some of that was was evidence during the league where you know we were we were beating teams, but but not kind of in the, in the fashion you would like. So I definitely knew that was that was a factor, but I probably underestimated it too, you know, because um, like that league final against Clare, Clare did a great job of winning that match, but it was another match where once again we felt. You know, we should have won. It was in Crow Park, so the whole Crow Park question came up again as well. Um, and I think what really dented the confidence of the players going into the championship as well was we picked up some, you know, some really unfortunate injuries like um, Kevin Feely, um, who's been one of our talisman this year. You know, went into contact with a Wexford player. They both ended up leaving the pitch. Kevin wasn't available for the semi-final. Paul Cribben was injured. Daniel Flynn was injured. So all these leaders... Um, we're, we're just falling, unfortunately, before matches, and that has to have an impact on players' confidence as well when they see top players not being available for selection. If you had to boil down the biggest area for improvement, you look at last year and, and defensively, I suppose you got to grips with things after some of those big beatings Dave referenced, but attack just really wasn't happening. And again, fast forward on now, and this Kildare team is putting up big scores. So, so how do you do that? That's the hardest thing to do in football. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I mean, last year, one of the first things that I wanted to do when I came in was was to try and get some semblance of a solid uh, defence for the simple reason that I think the frightening statistic I heard when I came into the job was in Kildare's previous three performances in Crow Park and Championship, they conceded, I think it was 17 goals and 51 points or 14 goals and, you know, something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, defensively, you know, it definitely did improve. We only conceded eight points in the first match. Granted, we only scored nine and 13 in the second match, but we didn't have that fluency in attack. And as I said, some of that is players and some of it comes down to, you know, you have to look at your game plan and, you know, was the game plan as good as it could have been and how can we improve that this year? A big improvement is we have the players and we're trying to play a style of football that suits them, which is a high-tempo, fast-paced game, you know? One question I was really interested to put to you is about characteristics of counties. So you've worked with the Tipperary Hurlers, as people know, and the Kerry Footballers and the Mayo Footballers, and now you're back with Kildare, a county clearly that you know very well. So the forward play is much improved. That said, there were still 16 wides over the weekend and for generations in Kildare, wides have been the scourge of, of Kildare football. Like you go around and different counties have these different characteristics and it's just, it's, it's really odd because clearly genetically there's no great difference in a country this small between 32 counties. So it just must come down to, to environment, to 
tactics and culture at club level to expectations. Can you give us your thoughts on that? Like the, the, the difference between a Kerry footballer and a Mayo footballer and a, a Kildare footballer and, and, you know, in Kildare's case, that old chestnut of marquee forwards and too many wides. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think culture has a huge, a huge amount to do with it. I mean, every young fella in Kerry growing up doesn't just want to play for Kerry. He wants to win with Kerry, you know. And it, it's not just about one All-Ireland. You want to be winning three or four All-Irelands because look who's gone before you, you know, the legends of the game. Um, and, and that's something that has come from their success. And success is not something that Kildare football has had much of, um, not just in recent years, but in the last 100 plus years, you know. So that, that culture of winning, particularly at senior level, hasn't been there. Now we have a group of young fellas coming through who have won Leinster minors, uh, won a Leinster under 21, and they know what it is to win at underage. And I think that's hugely important because they're, they're moving up to the senior setup when they do get that opportunity, knowing that they've played in big matches, knowing that they've won in Crow Park. And I definitely think that helps. You know, yeah. And it's only in the last four or five years, a lot of the great work done by Brian Murphy and his colleagues have really brought Kildare kind of, you know, to the top table at underage. The key for us now is to start doing it at senior so that we can create our own history and our own culture for the younger guys coming through. And, you know, that's going to be a process because uh, it hasn't happened in the last number of years. Hopefully that can change this one. Is it crucial as well, Keen, that these guys aren't just kind of been thrown to the walls, go in and a case of you either sink or swim at championship level, when they look around them, there's nobody else they can rely on in the changing room. But it's not really the case with you. You have the likes of Mick O'Grady and Ollie Lyons, Owen Doyle in that team, Fergal Conway. These guys have been around a long time. They know exactly what the deal is. And it's something I mentioned to you on Saturday night. It would have been very easy for the likes of Eamon Callaghan and Emmett Bolton in particular, Peter Kelly maybe to a lesser extent, but neither Eamon nor Emmett were starting all the championship games last season. So they, I'm Sure, they had a doubt in their minds as to whether or not they should come back for another go. But there they are. They got a few minutes on Saturday night. And it just must be brilliant for the really young guys in the squad to be able to play with fellas who've played in All-Ireland semi-finals for Kildare. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was so important, you know, to keep the lads on board this year. Um, obviously, I had a chat. I met every single player on the squad before we even came back training. You know, just to let them know what my thoughts were. I was particularly interested in their thoughts. And, the likes of Eamon and Emmett who've been around a long, long time, you know, they wanted to sign up straight away. They, they could see that things were changing. They could see that there was a really good bunch of players there. And to be honest, it's immeasurable, you know, the work that they're doing um, off the pitch as much as on the pitch in training, you know. So, no, it's absolutely fantastic to have them there. The impact they've made has been brilliant. Even coming off the bench last day, it was great for them. It was great for us. Keen, how has your relationship changed with players from being in the backroom staff to being their manager? Yeah, it does. I, I think as soon, for me, the big difference is when you step up from not being a selector, no matter what role, whether you're a physio or a trainer or a doctor, whatever the case may be, into a role of selector, uh, whether you're a coach, manager. Because ultimately, you know, there's meetings there, big meetings before matches where you're deciding who's on the team, who's on the 26, who's not on the 26. And I think that's where that professional distance, for want of a better term, you know, becomes really, really important because. Ultimately, you're going to have to make or break a fella's heart. It's, you know, at some stage, you mm. know, making crucial decisions. And I think, you know, there needs to be that discretion there between the relationship between any of the selection team, but particularly the manager right. uh, and the players, which isn't always needed for other roles in the back room, if that makes sense. So a bit more distance, less, less, maybe yeah. a little, little less familiar with them. Exactly, exactly. Because ultimately, you know, you're going to have to make tough calls. And, yeah. You know, you have to be honest and you have to be, you know, objective. There has to be 
you know, an absence of bias there. Whereas if you're, if you're clouded because of, you know, a relationship you've had or because you, you meet socially, well, ultimately that could be destructive for the team. Yeah. You know, it might be good for the person who gets the call, but it may not be good for the team. You know? Yeah. Looking ahead now, you it's I know you can't probably make too many assumptions, but it's fair to assume it's Dublin in a Leinster final. There is that thing in your head which you have to throw around between defensively. We're back in Crow Park again. We've mentioned mentioned the previous occasions. We're back in Crow Park and we don't want to concede a big score. But equally, we have to try and go at these lads and, and maybe give us your thoughts on your approach to a Leinster final. Yeah, I mean, listen, for me, the most important thing is that you need to stay true to your principles that have, you know, that have helped you to progress. Um, in our case this year, you know, we've, we, we've tried to play. You know, yeah. um, a fast-paced, high-intensity game. We've tried to be offensive. We've tried to get that uh, that kind of transition uh, right from defence to attack. You need to get your own game right, I feel, before you can start to look to an opposition. Mm. That being said, once you have your own game plan, you, you need to be mindful, you know, of the opposition threats. Um, I think the, the work that David Highland did unnoticed, you know, to many people was just phenomenal the last day because Graham Riley is such a top player and really showed that against Louth. Um, so yeah, you have to go and, and, and target you yeah. know, the key threats. And it's going to be no different against Dublin or any team we play this year. And I'm sure teams will look at us in the same way. Um, so of course we'll have our homework done, you know, whether it is Dublin or Westmeath. Um, but we will try to continue to play the way we have been playing because it served us well. And we wouldn't want to change that, you know, for, just because it's one match and one particular opposition. So we're turning back to uh, the... GAA, the football specifically, GAA News Talk brought to you uh, with Board Gosh Energy giving customers exclusive access to the GAA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Championship at bgrewards.ie. A lot of games on in qualifiers clearly over the weekend. We're going to focus in on though uh, Kildare against Meath and uh, Donegal, Tyrone. We've got Enda McGinley on the line and Anthony Moyles on the line. Anthony, clearly I am going to start with Kildare Meath. Um, Meath were terribly disappointing as good as Kildare were. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much, Joe. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I think, um, yeah, a lot of people, you know, I think, I think a lot of people, some, some, some sectors of, 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 of me, uh, supporters or fans or whatever way you want to call it, maybe some ex players or whatever, were just kind of saying that Mead run an upward trajectory, and they are, and they still are, I believe. But, uh, I think that, um, you know, it's hard, like, I mean, I've been trying to look at this and I've watched the game over twice, right? And, I've, you know, I've been trying to think about this, not just as everyone else does. You know, people say, oh, well, look at that. And, like, I mean, there was lots of people giving out, lots of Mead supporters, certain sections of Mead supporters giving out yards about this team. Um, I actually don't think they were as bad as they were. They had an absolutely shocking first half. Like, the first half was completely inept. They never got a hand on a Kildare man. They allowed their two full backs to be absolutely, completely exposed um, and in the modern day, you just can't play football. I think Canavan said in Sky Sports that the two inside men for Kildare got 36 touches in a half. 36 touches in a half for two men inside, well, which so, is just ridiculous. Sorry to interrupt, and you can you can pick up your point after this. Even for the McNally goal, we were saying it was almost quaint and strange to see just a good old-fashioned two versus two in the mid full forward line. Well, the mid, mid uh, full back line. But so you two of Kildare's marquee forwards against two mid defenders and McNally beat his man and You've no cover, you've no safety net, and just you kind of thought that ship had sailed for a lot of teams. It was a really strange situation. Well, it has sailed. It has most definitely sailed, and it well, should. It hasn't sailed. left media. <laughs> oh, maybe. Huh. Well, I think I think they got caught between two stools, and I know we get on to Tony Gall with Anna, but I think I think if you look at it and you watch the, the, the you know even the game back. 
they were trying to do this idea where a half back or maybe a midfielder would actually drop as the play was developing. Yeah. Right. So if you watch the goal, Shane McEntee is trying to get back. Um, but unfortunately for him, he either didn't get back quick enough um, or he only got back when he saw the ball being kicked. Mm. And the ball was such a good ball and he caught it above Tobin and he was down and landed on the ground before McEntee could actually get there. And if you watch a lot of the scores, especially a lot of the scores in the first half, Mead men were turning and chasing back. Yeah. You know, there were, so there was nothing coming at them from the front. Everything was, uh-oh, they're in behind us and we have to turn and chase back. And that is a real sign then of that, you know, you've just been carved open or a long ball has gone into space, which has been won, and now you're chasing back towards your own goal. And there, as you there, well know, there, Joe, and you just alluded there, sorry, yeah. but you just alluded to, the modern day defence is about standing and facing out and facing players coming at you, yeah. you know, and being able then to stop. And if anything goes in behind, well, then you have extra bodies in there that either, you know, when you look up as the player with the, the ball out the field, you go, well, I'm not going to kick it in there because that's that's just, I'm just going to give it away to opposition. Mm. And indeed, if anyone wins it in there, they, they have two on one, they might have three defenders on them. So obviously the instances of getting scores out of that reduced. So what do you do? You have to play through the hands. You have to be more more patient. But Mead in the first half just absolutely played right into their hands. Mm. Kildare on the other side of the coin and uh, very impressive with Keane O'Neill on the show. He's talked about how much he rates this young team. They needed to go through last year in some ways and develop physically and, and from an experience point of view. They've guys like Paddy Brophy back from Australia and Kevin Feely at midfield and Flynn in the forward line. A lot of really good players who won a Leinster under-21 a couple of years ago and they're going in the right direction. How impressed were you with them? Really impressed and I suppose it's not dissimilar. Whenever I was watching, it is not dissimilar to, to Trone's type of performance as well against Donegal. They have... If if you were to sit down and and write out your sort of your your top two or three things that you want in your team in the modern game, ideally you have a couple of really sharp ball winning score taking forwards that are able to to win their own ball and and they have that big style like the Cal McNally and and Daniel Flynn yesterday or on on Saturday start were were excellent. Mm. They're, yes, their touches and yes, you can query. You can query the Meath defensive plan and they'll not get that amount of space if they do end up playing the likes of Dublin in the final. But they still have shown serious potential then. Midfield, Tommy Mulek, and particularly Kevin Feely. Like, and that's something we've seen over the weekend as well. Lots of long kicking out to midfield, which is brilliant to see it back again. In mid, and that midfield battle coming back into that suits Kildare perfectly because so many of their scores were so efficient. It was a long kick out, ball one in midfield, long ball in. The pace was brilliant and then. Uh, defensively Owen Doyle sent it off back made a couple of brilliant inter- interceptions but also sort of he was doing maybe what Meath weren't managing he was dropping deep at times and protecting the full back line Graham Riley was obviously the main forward everybody was talking about coming into it David Highland completely snuffed him out like uh, you know we, it was such a good job on him mm. so Kildare have lots of the ingredients that they want getting up into Division 1 has been a massive thing for them and that'll really stand in next year whether they're ready for it this year, I don't know, but I suppose critical for them in the Leinster final will be being competitive against Dublin. Or, well, I suppose I'm, 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 being, I'm being disrespectful to West Mead there, but if it is Dublin in, in, in the final, uh, it's crucial that Kildare finish this season out really well so that they can build next year in, in, into Division 1. 
But Andy, I'm sure Kildare couldn't believe their luck. Like, it's hard to be overly critical of Andy McEntee because he's clearly a very good manager given his CV and it's only year one and you know that this speed, they are improving. The trajectory is facing upwards. But against Lau, they conceded 3-9, easily could have conceded another two or three goals. And I'm sure Keane O'Neill, having watched that uh, film, would have thought they're definitely going to try something a little more defensive. And they didn't. And mm. after five minutes, Keane O'Neill would have been looking at this thinking, well, all our Christmases have come at once. Keep pumping the ball along. Keep getting Tommy Mulek and Kevin Feely onto the ball. And keep Paddy Brophy and uh, Carl McNally standing with their heels on the end line, which is what they did, which afforded them 35, 40 metres of space in front of them. Like, how did this happen, given what Mead and the management team of Mead would have seen happening to them against Louth? Yeah, I'm not sure, Dave. And you know, you're right. You know, you, you can't. I think Andy will learn massive lessons from this, um, and the rest of the management team, and 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 I think the players will too. And you know, you go out there, you, you put together a game plan. Whether the game plan was to try, as they say, to get fellas back into that position quickly from the half back line, but it just wasn't working because, you know, a lot of the times when a player was dropping, Kerry were very, or Kildare were very very smart. If they saw a player drop in, they, as I say, like one of the half backs they generally fed the half-forward whose man had dropped back in. So, you know, the likes of Conway and Cribben and these fellas got on the ball a lot. And then they actually turned and ran at the defence. So they, they were well-tuned up, uh, Kildare. Like, really, honestly, I, I agree with you, Dave. I think Mead should have said, right, OK, we're going to position a man right in front. Allah, like, as Enda says, Doyle, you know, people were saying, oh, Killian O'Sullivan's got on a load of ball. Killian O'Sullivan wasn't being marked. Of course he was going to get on a lot of ball. Like Doyle had decided, right, you can get the ball wherever you want out around the midfield. And as soon as you run down the middle, which invariably happened, because me just attacked straight down the middle, we'll end up tackling you, we'll end up stripping you. Or if you get past me, the next man behind me will get you. And, and, and so many times, you know, that happened, that happened repeatedly, repeatedly. And there was no quick hands. When me actually decently went through with a bit of quick hands, they actually opened them up and they got one or two scores. But... They kept it so tight, and Kildare loved that. There was no width in the attack. Um, and then, as I say, there was no ferocity in, 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 in the tackling. There was no doubling up. But funnily, when they did it at the start of the second half, and if I was O'Neill and I listened to him earlier on, I think he's got an excellent team. I watched him for you lads against Leash, and I was very impressed with them, very impressed with Flynn, very impressed with their movement, their physicality, their size. But when Mead came out of the second half, you know, there was a free which Feely missed kick badly wide but after that they got two stupid frees McMahon pulled a Kildare man which was a ridiculous free when they had them under pressure and then the next free was fairly handy then a bad kick out from Paddy O'Rourke got knocked down by Doyle and they got a point but that was it until the 60th minute and Meade rattled off five points they probably should have had another at least three Riley kicked a really bad one wide the, the substitute and they kicked another one or two wide so Mead were, Mead were actually starting to double up. They were starting to put a bit more ferocity into their tackle. They were putting them under more pressure. So if I was Kildare, I'd be focusing on that 25, 30 minutes yeah. of the game rather than the first 35. Because literally, as, as Dave just pointed out there, it was, it was Christmas. You know, it was absolutely manna from heaven for the two boys inside. And, and I feel really sorry for the, for the, for the Mead full back line because they'd absolutely no help. Yeah. Meanwhile, and in Clonus... Very comfortable for Tyrone, a really impressive performance. Nine points winners over Donegal. It finished 121 to 112. We wondered about this Donegal group, which had come through an impressive league campaign. Seven championship debutants against Antrim, eight players in the team, in the starting team, 23 and under. You have the likes of Michael Carroll in the half forward line and Jason McGee at midfield, who are teenagers. 
And what we saw yesterday was just a real welcome to the big leagues kind of experience for all those guys. Yeah, it was it was just an absolute uh, collapse by Donegal, very unexpected. Uh, Donegal have been a hardened side over this last couple of years, and even the young players coming in, like their under-21 teams were pretty formidable opponents. I've watched a couple of thrown Donegal under-21 games, and it wasn't for the faint-hearted. And they came in and they had a very strong uh Division 1 campaign hammered thrown in the league up in Balbufe, although that night it was in the teeth of an Atlantic storm, pretty much. But certainly, and that was, that was the query hanging over Donegal. Could the young players step up? Could could they maintain the form and, and the exciting play that they'd shown up until then? The, qu- the question mark hanging over thrown was once again about their potency up front and could they get the scores against a tough defence. In the end, Donegal didn't even give thrown a tough defence and thrown's forward line and, well, the general team just went into overdrive. But for Donegal, it's, that's, they've uh, been handed a very, very tough defeat. That's a, a real confidence uh, damage one for, for all of them young yeah. players. Like you mentioned, 18, 19 years old to get out onto that stage with expectations on your shoulder. And a lot of them, nearly all of the younger lads ended up being subbed. And yeah, a very, very difficult day at the office uh, for Donegal. It's really impressive from Tyrone. And the the running, this kind of sense of total football is all there. I think we know that you know they haven't discovered a marquee forward as such. They're maybe just a more refined version of what we saw last year. I mean, the the thing is, Enda, we still don't know if they met the equivalent of Mayo last year again in the quarterfinal this year. We don't quite know still where they are exactly because Donegal were just so lacking in putting any pressure on the ball and it was just far too easy. So that that question's still there over Tyrone? I I think it is. I came home last night and, and watched the match again uh, and the the lack of pressure. Like Tyrone scored 119 from play. Essentially, if you're against any sort of decent opposition, that shouldn't happen. You know, bottom line, that shouldn't happen. No matter how good you're playing, that shouldn't happen. They only hit three or four wides, I think, in the whole game. So Tyrone had, in terms of their shooting, they had one of them days. But countless, countless times, Tyrone got into that sort of central shooting area, that perfect shooting area, about uh, just outside the D on either the right or left flank. And boys were shooting without direct pressure on them. You, mm. you, you shouldn't see it in the modern game against the top side. But Donegal defensively did not act like a top side yesterday. Uh, Trone haven't discovered a marquee forward but Mark Bradley his movement yesterday Washington you had to watch it way ahead of, of the play that a sweeper in and Paddy McGraw was marking him he honestly made them dizzy he was just zipping side to side they could not mark him and the fact that he was so active in there Trone only used it a wee bit like Galair actually Trone did release him at times with the long ball but because Donegal were, were watching that and then because Throne would have had three or four runners all supporting the attack in front Donegal kept backing off backing off and next yeah. thing the shooter was in five ten square yards of space and just struck it over at the ledger so that's for, for Throne this has been a massive confidence boost they, they, the football was so positive yesterday the crowd was so, the Throne supporters were on their feet at half time. On, lots of them stayed after the match on the feet. So that will create a huge buzz. And there has been there has been plenty of negativity, as you know, around this team. And they haven't been able to maybe play a real quality of attack and play that supporters love to get behind. They've done it yesterday. So they've, they've, they've shown their potential. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. It is potential. They've, they've shown what they can do. They, they still have to do it whenever 
a, def- a defence really, yeah. really gets gets in on them. And, and watching even the Kildare, the way the Kildare defenders were hitting and tackling, it was similar to how Drone defenders were hitting and tackling. The Drone, that attack and play of Drone still has to come up against that. But there's very few teams in the country, even saying all that, there's very few teams in the country can put in that sort of performance that Throne put in yesterday. Yeah, true. Anthony, actually, just a, a point, I think one of you guys mentioned it about the Kildare Meath game, and we also saw it in Clonus yesterday. Mm. The mark is having an effect. Yeah, it is, absolutely. And, and you know, you see it, actually, you know, a brother of mine was actually up in Clonus yesterday, and he, and he, and he just remarked, just as ended, and I was watching out for it when I, when I watched the game, the kick out was, was like they Tyrone had the Donegal keeper in absolute six and sevens. You know, he just didn't know where to go. He was standing there, I don't know how many times with his hands in the sips, you know, roaring out at lads because they, they pushed up and then they might confirm this, but they really squeezed up on the kick out. And they kinda said, Listen, if you have the ability to go over me, I don't think he's the longest kick out. You know, he's not like Durkin, so he can't fire out these absolute, you know, missiles to fellas. So they were basically saying, Okay, if you have to go over me you know, Colin Cavanaugh would be able to get up there. He'd be able to clean anything, which he did. So if you know, if it's going to have to, it'll run out of steam. It'll probably hang in the air. So we're going to force you to have to find the pocket of space. And once that happens, Joe, like you know, I don't care what. It's a simple game, really. Mm. If you're winning turnovers and you're winning kickouts, you're you know you're 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 on the way to winning a game. You know, and if you have that ability, and then if you're as as, as Enda just alluded to. I couldn't believe Donegal because they seem to be stuck between two stools of kind of where they man marking sometimes in the defence or or where they you know actually go in a, in a kind of like their usual stuff where they have lines you know of defenders and um, because some of them were shooting out of the line trying to grab a man creating space and next thing it was a simple hand pass like the goal Tiernan McCann's goal I think he couldn't believe himself I tell you when he got into space he was saying yeah. where's the next fella coming to hit me he, he and had, he didn't come he, he didn't to, come he had to beat one man on the 30 metre line and then he had a free run at goal yeah yeah so it's worrying and I think listen those lads who were there for the years you know the Rory Kavanaugh's and, the, and, and all the rest of the boys like those lads were absolutely drilled day in day out with that system they knew it inside out and I'm not saying that these but you know there is you go into it, the hot the, the heat of battle in a, in a championship game you know you're, you're you, the, the you know, you might go back just to the way you're, you're used to playing, you know, and when you're not really, when you haven't got that drilled into for years and years and years, especially as a young player, obviously, you know, it, there's there's gaps are going to come. But the one thing I would temper it with, and I, I, I'm like, ended like a good cop and I'm the bad cop here. I did think still Tyrone have a problem at six. I think they still have an issue when teams run at them down through the centre with pace. And Donegal, no matter how bad they were, probably could have had three goals yesterday. Now, I know Tyrone could have had, like, Kavanaugh probably should have flicked the hand pass out and, and Tyrone would have had another goal. But for a team that was massively in the ascendancy, I still feel that they probably, Donegal, just could have had another one or two. They ripped them open once or twice. Um, and, and it's a worry for them. I know Mickey Hart alluded to it and he was mentioning it, to mention it, you know. So it's probably something that they need to look at just because they won't get it as easy on the kick out and they won't get it as easy. Um, you know, from an, a, an attacking point of view against the bigger teams. Okay, lads, nicely done. We'll have to leave it there. Thanks a million, Anthony Moyles. Cheers, Anthony, and Enda McGinley as well. Three time All Ireland winner with Tyrone on the line. Too easy for Tyrone. Very impressive and beautiful to watch, but they'll have much tougher days ahead. <coughs> yeah, I think by, even by last night, Mickey Hart would have realised they didn't actually learn an awful lot of that. Bear yeah, in mind, I it's agree. likely to be Monaghan that's going to provide the next test. I've seen Monaghan a couple of times in the last couple of months. They are very impressive. And 
I've given up in in looking forward to the Munster final because I think Kerry are so superior. I think Goy of the certainly the upper hand considerably against Roscommon. And look, Dublin Kildare, if that is the final that we get to see, it'll be an interesting but Monaghan Toronto in the Ulster final. Can't wait. Off the ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband.